Presented by Four Roses. What's going on? Happy Friday, everybody. How you doing? Good to have you back in. This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon, and we have a very special guest today. Her name is Dr. Marsha Reynolds, and Dr. Reynolds is an expert in organizational psychology, and she is the president of Co-Visioning LLC, an executive coaching and leadership development company with clients that include Hershey's, American Express, and AT&T, just to name a couple. Big, heavy hitters, okay? She's also a regular contributor to platforms such as psychologytoday.com. She is the author of four best-selling books, and she joins the show for a very enlightening discussion on emotional triggers. She defines them, uh, how to identify their physical manifestations in our bodies, how to notice feelings, where we're feeling them in our bodies, how to get over it by telling our stories, a four-step exercise in objectively examining our emotions and choosing our responses to them, what to say to others when they've made us feel some type of way, what, 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 what we can do when we want to let somebody know, hey, you've triggered this in me and I need to let you know about it, and what to do when our emotional needs aren't being met. We go about 50 minutes here. She is a professional, obviously. She's amazing, and I really enjoyed speaking with her. So I hope you guys enjoy this, and I hope that it encourages you to either examine some of the things that, um, you know, as this relates to your life, and maybe you can learn how to identify your triggers and use the exercises that Dr. Reynolds lays out here and in doing kind of maintenance and when you do check in with yourself. Hopefully this can better help you to do that, okay? That's all I'm trying to do um, is fix my life and fix yours as well, okay? So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you do, please Obviously, check out Dr. Reynolds' website, covisioning.com. You can find all of her books on Amazon. You can follow her on Twitter, at Marsha Reynolds. Like her Facebook page, at Marsha Reynolds MCC. And please, leave me a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts if this interview or if any of the interviews resonate with you. I would love to know about it, okay? Email me at bennytomp18 at gmail.com or leave me a review and I'll read it. I'll read it on air. I'll read it in the next podcast. But uh, if you guys enjoy these or if anything, you know, give me your favorite part and let me know and I would love to see that. All right, without further ado, please welcome Dr. Marsha Reynolds to the show. Dr. Marshall Reynolds is an expert in organizational psychology, and she is the president of Co-Visioning LLC, an executive coaching and leadership development company with clients that include Hershey's, American Express, and AT&T, to name just a few. She is a life coach. She's actually one of the first 25 people in the world to become a master certified coach. She is the author of four books, a public speaker. She's even given her own TED Talk, and she joins me now via Zoom. Dr. Reynolds, how you doing? 
I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for inviting me. Absolutely. I am so thrilled that you are giving me this time. Um, I mentioned in our emails, I recently experienced a pretty big shift in mood that lasted like two to three weeks, okay? And I feel like oftentimes I'll have this moment of clarity a couple weeks into a slump where suddenly in my head it's like I'm waking up to something, this big realization going, wow, where did all this depression come from, right? Suddenly I, it's like, oh my God, I just woke up to this reality. Some people write blogs, I do this podcast. And so the topics that I've been examining have just been basically this digital journal where week by week I'm trying to conquer myself and eventually having done that, I'm hoping to have helped as many others along the way who have either conquered or are conquering or dealing with some of these same topics or who can listen to me come on here and be brutally honest and attacking the dysfunctions in my life and be motivated and encouraged to do the same with their own dysfunctions. So I'm researching emotional triggers and I come across an article you had written on psychologytoday.com, started reading more about you and your work and some of the other things that you've written on the subject and I go, bingo, I got to have her on the show. (laughs) It's just got to happen. So thank you so much for sitting down and taking the time to talk with me. No, absolutely. You know, what you're doing for other people is, is, is wonderful, especially right now, because the intensity of the emotions everyone's feeling. So thank you. So let's just start here. Okay, I finished reading The Big Short by Michael Lewis. Have you ever read that book? Or seen the movie? No. Okay. I saw the movie. Okay. (laughs) Favorite movie of all time. Okay. Over under on on times I've watched that probably 50 times. Seriously, I don't know. (laughs) And I just said, I've never read this book. I want to read this book. So I started reading the book. And as I'm sitting here reading it, I just start kind of laughing because I had this moment where everything comes full circle. Depression is like the 08 financial crash. Things can mm-hmm. look great, right? Things can be looking up, no signs of slowing down, and then one day you wake up, you realize you've skipped all these warning signs, you've missed all these cues, and you're smack dab in the middle of a recession, or in this case, a depressive episode. And you're asking yourself, how did I get here? What were the signs mm. that I skipped, or, or did I miss this altogether? And that's really what I want to know mm-hmm. more about. Um, the 08 crash, mm-hmm. just like depressive episodes, they didn't just happen overnight, right? They might mm-hmm. seem like they do because mm-hmm. no one's paying attention, but there's always precursors. There's always indicators, little things going on just beneath the surface or oftentimes even in plain sight, but we fail to connect those dots until it's too late. And that's what I want to get better at. That's what I want to learn more about. That's what I want to have you mm-hmm give me some pointers on is connecting these dots, recognizing emotional triggers in real time and learning better responses to these triggers instead of not realizing them it's too late and then binge eating or drinking to stuff it all down and avoid mm-hmm. dealing with these things, right? Not that I ever have done that in my life, but you know. <laughs> or me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is a very long-winded way of saying let's first just start off by defining emotional triggers. Okay. You know, Ben, I, I need to step back for a second though for my own ethical code that what we're talking about here is just a slump. Um, that we're not talking about uh, clinical depression where you can barely get out of bed and you're sad. And um, Because when people experience depression, they need to know the difference. And um, uh, if it's clinical depression, it's not something we're talking about here. So 
being that I might wake up in a slump and not, you know, feel like doing anything and, oh, you know, what's my life about? We go, all of us go through normal ups and downs. Um, but generally, uh, it's sadness. And you have to step back and look at, so what is making me sad? What's the loss? So the trigger in this situation would have been a loss of something. And as you said, Ben, it, it could have been a gradual, um, the loss of a dream. So we're not talking about necessarily somebody died, but um, I, I thought my job was going to be much more exciting than this. And every day I get up, it's, it's routine. It's, it's, I'm sitting in front of this computer all day. And, um, and so my brain's saying, I'm not getting that need met. I'm not getting my need for challenge. I'm not getting my dream um, that I thought I was achieving. And so it creates a sadness. And, and depression is often an indicator of grief, of grief. One time I was going through that, I didn't feel like working. I don't know what I was doing. And my coach said, so what did you expect to happen right now that's not happening? And I realized that I had hoped that a book I had written, I was gonna give it a year. You know, and if it did really well, I was going to shift my business and shift my business focus to something else. And, and um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I didn't know that's what I was grieving, that I had a dream that didn't come true. And once I realized that, I realized, okay, I need to grieve for a few days and then move on. <laughs> and frankly, <laughs> it led me to writing my next book, which did much better. <laughs> nice. You know, just by identifying what was the loss allowed me to move through it to see what I can now work on to, to create a new dream. What was that loss yeah, that, that makes sense? Yes, of course. What was that loss that you were dealing with that you recognized? Well, I thought my book would be a huge bestseller and I was going to shift my business focus to just working with women because that's what the book was about. And that was not in the cards for me, <laughs> you know, and I'm so happy that the path I'm on now, um, uh, I went back to working in leadership and then focusing on coaching and coaching is my passion. And so um, that wasn't supposed to happen anyway, but it was still something I had set in my brain that my life was supposed to look like this at this point. And then when it didn't happen, I was sad. I was very, you know, and I, I was, I was, you know, I'm again, cautious of the word depressed, but, but my emotional state was depressed. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have energy. So um, again, recognizing it, naming it is so important, but it's good to talk it out with someone to say, um, you know, so what's going on in your life right now that something's missing, something's missing for you, you know, and it could be vague. It could be like your life purpose <laughs> or it could be tangible. I thought I would have a family by now. Um, and I don't, you know, or a relationship and I don't. So, um, you know, what is it that you thought would happen by this point in your life? or you would hope for, that's not present. I think that um, I can certainly relate to that and, and definitely it, it is 
both for me. You know, there will definitely be times where, you know, just like a moment of sadness where something hasn't come to fruition. And then mm-hmm. there, there, there have definitely been other times. I, I don't remember if I disclosed to you in our correspondence that I'm bipolar. And so I oh, certainly right. swing from going from euphoria to depression, like depression where, right. I, where I can't get out of bed. And all, the only times that I'm getting out of bed yeah. is to go to like eat fast food meals and then get right back into bed yeah. and, and literally do nothing. Okay. But you recognize, Ben, that that's a chemical disorder in your brain and that doesn't have to do with emotional triggers. And that's why I said we really need to differentiate clinical depression in, in your bipolar from what most of us on a daily basis experience. Um, I can't deal with, with um, uh, anything clinical. Again, that's against my ethical code um, sure. as a coach. I don't practice as a, as a licensed psychologist. So I can't tell you what to do about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, I... I uh, I think that a lot of times it is just, yeah, I mean, I acknowledge the chemical imbalance, but I think a lot of times too, it's just like I was saying, you know, oh, everything will be going fine. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this little bump no. in the road becomes this, exactly. Uh, you know, oh, where did this all come from? Yeah, I get to the grocery store and they don't have half of what I wanted. <laughs> I'll either get angry or sad. You know, we're 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 so um, so many emotions come up that you're right. We just don't acknowledge them. We don't acknowledge them. We have little hits of emotion all day long. Um, you know, and they do then add up. You know, like I said, right now, a lot of people are going through um, depression, uh, anger, uh, the whole pandemic and uh, having to stay home. It's just changed their life Mm -hmm. so much. And they don't know how to regulate those emotions, Um, you know, because they're kind of all over the place. But it still comes back to uh, the loss they expected to have. You know, triggers tend to be social needs um, that are not met mm-hmm. you know so even a, a dream it's still a social need it's still something I wanted to have in this world um, so you know I uh, I can't be with people so I can't get maybe uh, the recognition or the enjoyment that that feeds me and that could make me sad what are some of the most common emotional triggers that people experience and that you deal with? Okay. Well, one of the things when you said I'm a life coach, not really, I'm a leadership coach. So most of my work is with people in companies. Okay. So the triggers I see tend to be work related. Um, so I, I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I don't feel respected. Um, uh, I, um, I don't feel safe. You know, my boss is a meanie. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a safety need. It, for some people, it's order and predictability. We have no predictability right now or control. There's right. no control about our future. I mean, that's a huge one. And that's for everyone, regardless of your experience, where you are, uh, that this, the loss of a sense that I have any control over my life and 
predictability. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Those are the two biggest stressors that we all have. We all have. So control and predictability. But then again, it comes down to what is it that has helped me to be a success in this life is important and it's something I need. So again, um, for a lot of people at work, it's what's helped them be successful is to be uh, smart, to be recognized, to be respected. And then when they don't get that, they react, you know, um, uh, get angry, they shut down, um, to be liked. Uh, you know, you know, I get that even more so with men than women, the need to be liked. It's, it's fascinating, you know, what um, stereotypes we have around mm -hmm. triggers and needs. So for women, it's more about being respected and being seen. And I think yeah. it's a really interesting kind of uh, dichotomy, that relationship that exists between these traits that have you know, like made people successful or that, that they would mm -hmm. consider to be their strongest qualities, but then can turn around and, and become this bear trap for them almost. You know what I mean? Our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because, because, yeah, um, again, it's what helps you to be a success. So it's something that's important to me. So a trigger is when I feel that something that's important to me is either taken away or not given. You know, and so it's important to me because it helps me to be successful. And if you take it away from me, um, being heard, being respected, um, being liked, <laughs> um, then again, I'm hurt or I'm angry um, or I could even just shut down. Hmm. And some of that is like, I, I have definitely experienced that where I've been, um, like one of mine is being accepted or being included. That's probably my top emotional need mm -hmm. um, out of some of the ones yeah. that you had listed on one of your articles on your blog, mm -hmm. covisioning.com. And, or mm -hmm. at least in the blog section, it's a, it's a website, vast website, but in the blog section. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started thinking about it and I, I just thought, you know, that is, you know, I've, I've gone through some pretty traumatic major life experiences where I have this very healthy and robust fear of abandonment, whether it be mm -hmm. from my family going through a very nasty divorce and, and being alienated from an entire side of my family yeah. and having that ripped mm -hmm. away or getting to college and being... Uh, excommunicated from my fraternity and like going through these kind of big life-changing mm -hmm. events and then as I get older and as I'm realizing and learning about emotional triggers is it's like that is the need and that is not being met and when I ultimately find mm -hmm. myself feeling like I'm being abandoned or it conjures up those feelings um, of mm -hmm. not being accepted, then that's when I really can tank emotionally. The trigger, though, underneath, it, it's, you know, abandonment is an action, but um, the trigger is um, being accepted and being loved. Then I'm afraid I'm not loved. And that's why they abandon me. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, we all have a little bit of that. Am I even worthy of love? Um, people keep proving I'm not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and again, just to be able to speak it, that you're able to speak it is so important, Ben. You know, to say out loud, this is what it is and this is what I know makes me feel that way. The awareness is the first step, always. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because like I was saying with that double-edged sword, it's sometimes those feelings of ab abandonment and no one loves me or no one cares about me, those have been things that I've drawn upon when I really need to dig deep and motivate mm -hmm. myself and, it, and it's driven me. It's driven me mm -hmm. to accomplish some of my greatest achievements or my, my proudest accomplishments in life and like that feeling of, mm -hmm. well, no one's going to come and do it for me. Even if I have to walk alone, I have to do, you know, but, and so I'll draw on that to motivate so myself. Survival which, kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, 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 but I also realize that this is like playing with fire sometimes, because if that's where mm -hmm. I find my motivation, you know, at times where I am either in a slump <laughs> or, or in a depressive episode, then those yeah. feelings are overwhelming. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a crazy game I like to play with myself. Well, you know, um, I mean, coming back to the, the bipolar, some of the our greatest thinkers and creators in life are bipolar. So <laughs> there must be something. And they say the poets will say I create best in my moments of darkness. Um, so that's fascinating. But I think what you said on the other side of it is um, I almost feel like I need that in order to be motivated to create. That's the belief that you will want to work on because do you really need that? And when you don't feel that way, what stops you from being creative and motivated? You know, is it that you feel so good you don't want to sit down and do it? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, to, to explore what happens in those moments um, when you're feeling light and, and why you might not be able to use that. That would be an interesting exploration. I'm definitely going to, definitely things to come back to uh, in, in future <laughs> interviews. And, um yeah, I think sometimes if I'm feeling good, it, it might just be that I can't sit myself still for f more than five minutes at a time. You know what I mean? So see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sit down at this computer. I want to go outside and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, what are some things that that I can do or, or people can do that uh, mm -hmm. can catch ourselves like mid slip? You know, whether it be mm -hmm. exercises to check in with myself proactively or mm -hmm. questions I can ask myself when I'm, I'm waking up to these realizations in the middle of these recessions um, that can help me recognize mm -hmm. my, my emotions triggered and, and kind of take it from mm -hmm. there. Um, well, the first step is, is to really start paying attention to where you hold your emotions in your body because emotions... Uh, the darker emotions are biological, you know, so depression slows us down so we can heal because of the loss. Um, anger speeds us up, uh, fear, apprehension speeds us up. And we tend to feel them in certain places. So like I feel my fear here, but my anger in my stomach, but you might feel your fear in the back of your neck and, and the ang your anger in your jaw, you know? So I can't tell you where you feel emotions, 
but you need to start paying attention as soon as you feel a tenseness in your body to say, is that an emotion? What could that be? Okay, because the quicker you can catch the emotional reaction in your body, the quicker you can shift it. If, it. if it sits there for any amount of time and it takes you a day or two to recognize it, then you're already kind of in it and it's going to be harder to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So um, I have an exercise where, you know, you set an alarm on your uh, phone or there's, I, I think there's even apps you can get like three times a day just stop yourself and say, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? What am I feeling and why? Um, and it starts to create a, 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 an awareness, a physical awareness of what's going on in my body, which will help you to identify when you're moving into a slump sooner. Um, so that's step number one is I have to identify it in my body. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if, if you want, you can look at, so what triggered me and what is it I need? So if I didn't get respect, can I go get respect? <laughs> or do I need to let it go? If I need um, uh, to, uh, what was one of the ones that, that you had? If I, if I need to feel that accepted, are there people I can be around? Then I know accept me. You know, um, or go online and look at all the wonderful comments people say about your uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so how can you start to feel different? So it's it's about shifting to feeling something different. It's not about thinking necessarily. It's I, I I'm sensing <sighs> that I have an emotion. I breathe. I relax, and then I choose what do I want to feel now, and I shift how I feel. Okay, so maybe I just look out my window and I'm grateful for this life that that I've been able to create. Or I go for a walk every morning and and, ah, I love seeing the city lights and then watching the sun come up. That helps me set my day emotionally. So we're responsible for choosing our emotions. Nobody does it to us. Um, and, and so we have to accept that responsibility and, and notice when we're feeling something and actively shift it. That's the thing. It's not about self-talk. Self-talk is, is just in your head. It's not in your body. Um, you, you, know, you, you still have to talk yourself into choosing another emotion, but you have to feel it in your body in order to make it real. And how do you how do you do that? How do you replicate that feeling that you're hoping to feel in in your body? Well, it's like I said, I know what I need to to, to do to bring in gratitude. Okay, right now I'm facing a window with a beautiful tree and a mountain behind it, and you know if I need to, all I have to do is look up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I go for a walk every morning. I make, I set my emotional intention for the day. Um, and throughout the day, I can remember what a beautiful walk I had. Um, and that makes me feel, that makes me feel. So I have to do something to feel, you know, I, I always tell people, pick up this phone you have and look at your pictures because you probably took pictures of your family or places you like um, or your pets and it will make you smile (laughs) so you've got the best tool right here at your fingertips Mm -hmm. and no you know we rarely look at the pictures we take 
you know, but just open your pictures, look at your favorite pictures or just go down the list. Like I just did. And it's like, oh, there's trees turning colors. There's Halloween decorations. Um, there's uh, my back room uh, and the light shining in there. You know, it's like <laughs> I got a sunrise. I'm not taking pictures of bad stuff, <laughs> you know, Sure. and it makes me feel by just looking at the pictures. So you've got things right here or, or put things on your desk that make you laugh, make you smile. Okay, smile triggers the, the chemicals that, you know, the, that make you feel good all over quicker, smile, smiling and laughter mm -hmm. than anything else. Watch a funny video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But okay. you have to deliberately do it. You have to you can't just think it. You have to do it. Which is I that one that went over my head at first when you said, Well, I go for a walk and I look at the lights and then I look at the city and the sun coming up and so they are they can either be the things that you just said, looking at your phone and pictures on your desk, mm -hmm. or they can be physical. So if somebody liked to lift weights or play basketball or read a Go book. Go play or, basketball. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're physical things you're doing intentionally to create and I guess alleviate Absolutely. That. I love my exercise routines. Um, right, all those things. Don't get caught up in your work. You know, go do something that makes you happy, that makes you happy, whatever that is for you. Yeah, I recognize most people don't want to get up at 3.30 in the morning and go for a walk in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally cooling off here, so I can go a little later. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but uh, <laughs> but it works for you, so that's that's what's important, Works right? for me. <laughs> there you go. Um, when we find ourselves in situations where someone that we love or that we're close to or even somebody that we work with, when we feel that this person or, or this group of people have taken something away from us and triggered an emotional response and we don't mm -hmm. want this relationship to fail or this relationship can't fail, how can we overcome what feels like this very serious transgression? You know, most people don't know when they harm you. I mean, you know, we say, oh, that was crappy, what a jerk. Um, uh, most of the time they're just doing what they do, <laughs> you know, and only, you know, if there was like an act of vengeance. Um, but most people, when you say, when you said this, it really made me feel um, not seen or is as if you were judging my work to be bad. Um, most of the time they're going to say, wow, I didn't realize that. You know, so we have to be careful of that belief you just said, the assumption. If I say something that to them, I will harm the relationship. That's an assumption. Mm -hmm. And it rarely is true. You know, it often deepens the relationship. So to say, um, you know, when I'm talking and you interrupt me, um, I know you're, you're excited about your ideas, but I feel as if you think my ideas are not that important. Okay, so you say, here's what happened and here's the impact on me. And then make a request, you know, so I really love to finish my idea and then I'd love to hear yours. Is, can we do that? Can we work on that? 
So be clear. Don't just make them wrong. Be clear on what you want instead. Be clear on what you want instead. And it gives them a chance to say, okay, I, I'll try that. If you just make them wrong, when you said that, this it hurt me, um, then they can't fix it. But if you say, when you said that, it hurt, um, you know, so in the future, I would really like it if you could state it this way or um, uh, just be clear that that's something important to me. And, um, and so it, it hurts when I hear those things. You know, just to give them like, what can I do differently in the future is useful. Actually, you know, um, you mentioned my TED talk. Um, uh, the last TED talk I did was how to use anger as a force for good. And I talk about that, you know, like when somebody irritates you and makes you angry, how do you handle it? You know, what do you say? So I suggest you, uh, uh, your listeners and watch that TED talk I, I, I <laughs> to will. really understand because, you know, you talk about your life, but you know, my life when I was younger was very dark too. And I was told I would never amount to anything. I was a waste and I'd ruined my life. And, um, I had to stand up to that. I used anger. I used my anger to say, I'll show you. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was based in my teenage drug years and all of that. Um, so yeah, I, I had found ways to, uh, avoid my life and myself and, and then I stepped out of it by being able to use my emotions instead of my emotions using me. Yeah, I think that there's, um, well, okay, what about when you feel like you've been repeatedly hurt by someone or... Mm-hmm. it's triggered such a strong emotional response that you don't think mm-hmm. that you can, you don't know if you'll be able to, to get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you want well, the to, the first thing I would ask you is if this person keeps doing this, why are they in your life? And, and I'm serious about that. So like I have an older sister who, um, constantly, you know, uh, I'm, I know nothing, even though I have, uh, four more degrees than her and you know, but I'm the younger sister. I know nothing and so whatever I say is wrong and you know, I've I, I've told her I've tried to tell her, you know, when you do that it makes me feel as if you're uh, You think everything I believe is wrong and you don't give me credit for anything and I and it separates us And I don't feel I can be your sister um, And she still does it <laughs> and so I've had to distance myself just to say, okay, this is who she is. She's not going to change. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll go to holiday dinners, but um, I'm not going to be with her a- any more than that. And she'll say to me, you know, why don't you ever call me and all? And, I, and I'll say, you know, it just never, the conversations just don't work. Just don't work. So, um, you know, I, I mean, one of the things I learned in coaching from the very beginning is to look at all my relationships and say, which ones build me up and which ones tear me down. And the ones that tear me down, um, do I need that relationship in my life? And I had to let go of some of my friends even um, because they were suffocating and draining and not honoring me. Um, uh, change jobs. Um, uh, you know, when I reached a point where I felt like, okay, they're not going to give me any more opportunities. They don't see my value. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, it took courage, but I did it. So we have to be really careful about who we allow into our lives and into our heart. You know, and if the person's just going to keep hurting you and you've said something, um, then you need to find a way of, of distancing yourself so they don't impact you. To keep putting yourself in that place, that's not good for you. Mm -hmm. That's not good for you. So I, I recognize sometimes it's like your mom, <laughs> you know, or it's somebody you can't leave out of your life, but you still have to find a way at least to you know, energetically distance yourself um, from that moment and just say, you know, it's, this is what this person does to everyone. It's not just about me. Hmm. It's not just about me. They do this all the time. And I just happen to be in the crosshairs sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a tough discussion to have with your mother. Mom, you're toxic. I can't be around you anymore. <laughs> You actually know. moved across town from mine, <laughs> well, I, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm traveling at work. I'm too busy. I'll see you next month. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> recently, I've really struggled with going through this where I've had somebody mm -hmm. that was very, very close to me, a best friend, and I never had to worry about them hurting me like they did uh, and uh mm -hmm. putting distance between us which they said they needed but then i look at what mm. they're doing and they're doing the exact same stuff they made me feel as if i were the problem that they couldn't just chill out that when we got together mm -hmm. we would take each other to you know kind of push each other to 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 do more to go faster and sometimes that you know that that's landed us in some uh some trouble and that triggered that feeling of abandonment or not being accepted or being judged. And for the mm -hmm. first time, I'm, I'm having to deal with that question of, do I let this person go? Because it hasn't been a repeated thing. You know, the, the people in my life that have repeatedly let me down or made me feel that way, I have cut them off or, or been very mm -hmm. honest and said, you're, you're just, you're toxic. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to know you. You know, but mm -hmm. with this person, this is somebody that I never had to question the relationship with. But now, um, these last few months, they've been absent and we've had space apart. And when I've tried to tell them, when you do these things, it makes me feel this way. And you saying you want to take space and just kind of be low key, but you're still traveling every weekend and, and you're turning up and that's just not the way that you're living you know, I feel like we've made this commitment to each other and, and you're not holding up your end of the mm -hmm. bargain. And they acted as if they could care less. And that really, that really hurt me. Mm -hmm. That really I'm hurt sure me. So, hurt. And I'm at that I'm point sure where I'm like, do I, how many more times do I continue to try um, to save this, not save this relationship, but get, get this relationship back on track before I just throw away what's been a great, you know, 10 years, 12 years of friendship, close friendship. Yeah. I know that that's a tough one because you have really good memories, really good memories. You, when you were explaining like, oh, wow, this is what we did for each other. And you miss that. So there's your loss. You miss that. Um, you know, relationships are funny things. We grow in different ways. And 
And it sounds to me as if this person is not facing their own difficulty. And so they want to put it on you. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. You know, I just need space from you. It's your energy. You know, instead of saying, you know, this is where I'm at right now. So they're not being honest. And that's even makes it even harder for you. Um, But what you said to me was, I have tried a number of times and I need to determine uh, what's the bottom line. When do I just accept what's happening here? And that's the question you need to answer. Um, and when you say I've tried a number of times, like, what are you saying? I've talked, I've reached out twice. I've reached out 10 times. What are you saying? It's been probably two or three. Well, okay. So when I finally realized that I wanted to have this discussion, we, we were face to face and I laid it all out and this Mm -hmm. person was like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'm, I'm just taking a step back. I'm just taking a step back. And now, you know, almost a month and a half has gone by. But as I started to look back at my attempts, mm-hmm. at my attempts to reach out and do things with this person that's just, hey, we're not going to get crazy on the weekend. Let's just throw the football around on a Thursday night or let's cook dinner together mm-hmm. or let's just do things that are not binge drinking. Mm-hmm. And then... I'm looking back at all of these attempts. I counted five over, you know, Ah, a six or seven week period where, but I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not putting together in real time each, each time. It's like in retrospect, I'm going back and I'm looking like, wow, they were really not taking my hand at any of these attempts to do anything. And okay. So just, I want you to stop right there. (laughs) They're not taking my hand at any of these attempts to do anything. What does that say to you, Ben? That they don't value the relationship. At this point. At this point. For whatever's going on in their life. And and, and don't assume you know. Don't assume you know. But again, we all grow and experience life in different ways. And the last year or so with the pandemic has changed people's lives. And... um, it's not your fault. You've done everything you can. And what you just said to me was right now, this person doesn't value our relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every time you do this and, and put yourself in line to be rejected, you're doing it. You're doing it. Okay. This person knows you've reached out five times, knows you want to throw the football around. Okay you don't there's nothing else you can do at this point but just see if if they come back okay (laughs) all right i know it's a hard thing but you said it absolutely absolutely and it's you know it's um it's frustrating because sure it is it's like of of all people they should know that that mm, making me feel making see, me feel alienated you know what i mean is like you, you. i know but again whatever <laughs> that 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 person can't face in themselves and be honest with you mm. and it doesn't sound like they're willing to be honest with you so um don't expect it <sighs> i think i just breathe that out and hearing uh that honesty mm-hmm. is 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 great is great so 
Okay. I want to move off of this and and continue on, Mm -hmm. okay? I also have, um, I had come across this really illuminating piece that you wrote in another one of your uh, blog posts on your website called How to Get Over It by Telling Your Story. And I just Mm -hmm. wanted to say that this one really resonated with me because as I'm reading this, okay, you're posing these questions to the reader, to me. Are you willing to put the story on the table? Are you willing to name your emotions and explain where they came from? And I'm reading it going, yes, yes, I am, right? So to those who haven't read it, but but definitely should, could you walk me through those steps that you lay out in that piece and unpack those a little bit? Yeah. Well, you know, that's why I love coaching so much because coaches help us take our stories out of our head and look at them. And it is not easy. That's what we just did. I helped you look at your story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then you can see how it watched, what, why you're holding on to it and the beliefs and the assumptions you're making. Um, it's hard to do on our own. And the more emotions there are, the harder it is. So if you can get somebody, you know, even if they're not a coach, but somebody you trust, to just give you a safe space to talk about things so you can put your story on the table. Mm-hmm. We have to take them out of our head and look at them and say, so what, what belief do I have that's not serving me? You know, and it's all beliefs are based in the past, you know? So you said, I had all these things going on that was fun. We did and la la la. So I expect it to happen again. That's an interesting belief that's not coming true. Um, you know, and, and, and an assumption about, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the future or, or what's going on right now, um, that they're just rejecting you. No, they may be rejecting themselves. You don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we need to look at those things. Um, but the only way you can look at them is it has to be objective. And so you need to, that's why I say talk it out with somebody is always good. Um, uh, so you can talk it through. Um, if you're trying to do it on your own, then again, I would say choose the emotion you want to feel before you sit down and think about it. So if you're just angry or hurt, you're not going to be able to to look at your story mm-hmm. objectively. You know, so it's like, here's what happened. Here's the way it's making me feel. Um, but you need to then look at, so what's next? What is it I want to feel instead? What is it I know I need to do? in order to feel that way you know so we have to really like then visualize and choose the emotion we want Mm -hmm. going forward instead of staying stuck in the emotion from the past so this requires a lot of breathing you know so you'd mentioned my four steps (laughs) yeah you know but this is for any time you're feeling an emotion you feel triggered you know the first thing to do is to breathe and even throughout the day, if you just do that, that um, it's on the exhale. So, you know, you breathe in, but then exhale as long as you can. And do that three times. Right there, you're going to start changing the chemistry in your body. All right. And it's going to release the tension. Then you want to clear your mind of all your thoughts, you know, because you're just thinking bad thoughts. So stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But you do that best by putting your awareness right here in the center of your body. 
So um, if you've ever taken a martial art um, or yoga or, you know, you learn centering mm -hmm. to put my awareness in the center of my body. That's the best way to clear your mind. Breathe and put your awareness in the center of your body. All the athletes are taught this. That's how they deal with pressure in the moment mm -hmm. is put the awareness in the center of their body and don't think. And then choose how you want to feel. Not what you want to think, but how you want to feel. So you breathe, you clear your mind, but quickly center yourself and then choose. I want to feel uh, love. Maybe it's even self-love. I want to feel gratitude. I want to feel hope. You know, choose how you want to feel, but really then take it in before you then examine your story. Radical self-love. That's what we're trying to feel. <laughs> um, true or false? Uh, or maybe I should say, why is objectivity critical to our development as human beings? Well, we're never fully objective. We're always a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's hard to make it a, a true or false question when we're never really fully objective. Um, to try to move to being uh, non-reactive objective is true, but it's a moving toward. It's not a state of. Mm. Okay. So, um, again, to say, well, I need to be objective about that. Well, you're never going to be. Uh, biases are there to protect us, uh, you know, to keep us safe. And so... Um, we do our best to be as objective as we can so we can so again when you take your story out of your head you're trying to look at it objectively and not full of emotions that's important but that's why i said it's really great to have somebody else help you to do that because we have a hard time doing it ourselves mm -hmm. okay <laughs> good deal last uh i have two more questions okay okay there's a story that I'm very curious about, and I want to try and tie this all up together here and kind of wrap a nice ribbon on this. The very first sentence of your About Me section on your website reads, At 20, I found myself at rock bottom after landing myself in jail. <laughs> so, one, will you please share that story with me? And two, I'm curious to know if that is what set in motion your life's work of putting your story on the table and pursuing a career in coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said to you that I went through a very dark time and fell down a rabbit hole of drug abuse in uh, my later, well, most of my teenage years, and it just got worse and worse. I ended up in jail. It wasn't jail that changed me. It was my cellmates. And there's one in particular, I was sitting around because people had said I'd ruined my life. I was no good. I'd never amount to anything, even though I had, you know, I was really good in school and I had accomplishments. They still said I was worthless. Um, and I believed it. And I was sitting being feeling sorry for myself. And my cellmate got up in my face and said, girl, you have no idea who you are. You are smart, you are strong, and I don't know why, but you care about people. You need to use the privilege you have and get out there and make a difference. She said, you need to do that because we can't. We can't. And that was an interesting thing for me to recognize 
that I'd never lived their experience. I did have privilege and I had, um, you know, within me, I had gifts and I had opportunity out there that a lot of people don't have. And, and, and that was irresponsible for, of me <laughs> not to use that, you know, that what God had given me and what the society had given me, not to feel guilty about it, but to be grateful for it. Um, and so I wanted to go out and help change people's lives like she did for me because she saved my life. Mm -hmm. It was my second chance. Um, but of course, I couldn't do that right away. I started accumulating, going to school, getting degrees. And I ended up in a training department in a, in a corporation where I was teaching leadership and communication skills. And I realized, oh, this is my path. I'm going to help people connect. I'm going to help them realize their potential um, and, and truly understand themselves and be the best they can be at work. You know, and um, I was really curious, though. So I, I designed training programs. They were good. People liked them. But when life got tough, they went back to old behavior. And I, I didn't know how to fix that until I found coaching. Hmm. And I went and got my doctor to study what does coaching do in the mind? And I realized it's the best way we learn. When somebody helps us rewire our brain and retell our stories, it changes our lives. So I'm passionate about coaching because I believe I can do for people what she did for me and save their lives. <laughs> That's really powerful. And I'm very glad mm -hmm. that you shared that with me. And I think that this conversation has been awesome. You've definitely just in the, you know, 50 minutes that we've been talking, mm -hmm. it was like when you sit down with a magician and you're like, all right, show me the magic <laughs> trick, right? And then they do it and they're like, that was it. And you're like, oh my God, holy shit. Like you, <laughs> we did that, right? You, you led me to that place. Um, my final question is if I buy your book, one of your books, Outsmart Your Brain, is the one that I'm really, really interested in reading. Will you sign it for me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to figure out how to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy to do that. That was my first. That was my first book. And I redid it just um, a few years ago. So it's the second version and much better. So yeah, definitely get that. But yeah, let's connect and I'll make sure you get a signed copy. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. And um, I will have this up on Friday and I'll, I'll tag you on Twitter. And uh, thank you again for, for speaking with me. No, thank you, Ben. Thank you for your vulnerability. So. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Bye. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. She was awesome. Thank you again to Dr. Reynolds for taking the time to speak with me. Come on the show. Um, it's not easy to talk about a lot of this stuff. And I feel like hearing some of the stuff, especially from somebody that dealt with early on struggles in their life and overcame a lot of that stuff and then went on this life's mission and it became her work to help others and help change others. And that's just, I mean, I have a lot of respect for uh, her, and it's certainly what I'm trying to do a lot of the time in uh, certainly some of the discussions that I have with my Uber riders and certainly just everybody that I come across with. Not everybody, but I mean, like, like honestly, most people, um, 
certainly anybody that listens to this, anybody that listens to these, uh, that's what we're going for, man. That's what we're going for. So hopefully um, any of these things, if they do resonate with you, great. I would love to hear it. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I would love to see a new review. I'll even read them. Like I will read the reviews, okay? And read these shout outs if you guys do that. So please, I encourage you, I beg you, I beg you to do that. I think the next person that I have on is probably gonna be a bipolar expert, probably going to get really real with this one and dig in and dive in there and, uh, Woo, gotta get ready for that one. That's gonna be and some emotional heavy lifting, but I mean, good thing I'm yoked. Oh, no. <laughs> God, I hate myself sometimes for saying the stupid stuff that I do, but oh well. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably what we're gonna do next. And um, by the way, once, like we're gonna reach a certain point and that point is kind of a moving target. But if you guys are listening to these and these are helping you or you have a topic that you would like me to dive into I will do that I am open to suggestions okay so shoot me a note email me bennytomp18 at gmail.com it will all remain anonymous hit me up on Twitter slide in my DMs on Instagram whatever if, if you got my number text me um, but let me know if there's somebody that uh, you would like to see come on the show or if there is a topic that you would like me to dive into with somebody, um, give me the topic, I'll find the expert, and I'll have them on the show, and we'll, and we'll do that. So let me know. Uh, I will be back next Wednesday. We'll have Uber Stories Part 12, and I already have a couple of really good ones for next week, so I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of get back on a regular schedule here. So good deal. Uh, Everybody have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.